Welcome back to yet another episode of the Romans Empire podcast. Sam, how you doing? Feeling uh not too bad, not too shabby. I mean, could have could have been a worse weekend, but you know, the, I, res- the results weren't exactly what we wanted, but some good, some bad, like I said. I think you're taking this loss a lot more lightly as I am. I love how, loss. Yeah, I like See, how you say loss yeah, is it's like a we loss. didn't because we didn't win. It's like a loss. But besides that, everything's going well for the most yeah, part. Yeah, everything's great. Yeah, I mean, same here. Can't complain too much. Um, so I guess let's dive right into it. Again, this is the Romans Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. So the first team we're going to talk shit about is uh, Karabakh. Mm-hmm. Um, no they, surprises here, really, huh? They, yeah, they're really poor. Um, usually, like really when, poor. Usually, when an That's outside, a great way to put it. yeah, I mean, it's true. I, they were, they were, they were poor. Like it, it, it was. They're just not very good. Usually when you get a team from like a, a random foreign country um, that makes it into the, you know, the Champions League, some of them, some of them, you know, tend to surprise us. Um, but Carabag was not one of those teams. No, definitely not. So um, just a quick recap. Uh, we won 6 nothing. Pedro Zapacosta on his debut. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Aspi, Bakioko, Bachuai, and uh, Karabag on goal all contributed to the six nil route. Um, so let's let's just talk about the Zapacosta goal really quick. Um, did he mean it? I mean, I know he came out and said like, "Oh, I didn't mean it," but at the time when it happened, oh yeah, a hundred percent thought it was intentional. Like that he. You know, came on. They were already up one zero, and he just, you know, wanted to make that first impression stand out. And uh, he, I thought he just took it. And I mean, talk about a screamer! Yeah, that's that's a screamer. I th- I thought the keeper was at fault for that goal though. Like he was way off of his line. Yeah, and and you know. Yeah, I mean, and and I thought because of that, Zapacosta thought like, this is my chance. I'm gonna take it. He's not gonna have many opportunities like that, and just. I mean, right over the goalkeeper to the back of the back of the net. That was his his performance in general, though, was really encouraging. I mean, like, well, well, also the lead up to the goal by itself. I mean, he took it the full pitch past yeah, two he, guys. He did, he did dribble it, it about sixty yards. Yeah, I mean, he, the last person to touch before him was a Courtois. He just rolled it to him, and then he took it by himself all the way up. Yeah, past a uh, couple one, poor challenges. Yeah, I mean, look, you know. I mean, when we analyzed him at first, because I mean, let, let's be honest, he he's not a household name, no, by any means, and he wasn't on anyone's radar. Even he wasn't even on Chelsea's radar until deadline day, apparently, you know. So we didn't know much about him. But when we did our like analytics a couple weeks ago, we mentioned the fact that he's really fast and he's really good at crossing the ball. And I thought against Karabag, he showed both of those qualities. You think? I think if you just want like a description of his game, you can just watch that goal. I mean, like at at halftime for the game, I was yeah. watching it on my phone, and they literally replayed that goal. I'm not kidding. Nine different times and nine different angles. Yeah, it was, and it, it was, was a like, beauty. It's just like, and the funny thing is, is like before he scored that goal, Pedro scored a screamer. Yeah, off that corner, like a really well taken goal. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, anyways, Apicosa scores. Great performance overall. Yeah, and then obviously, I mean, it's just it was nine. important for Champions League to have, yeah. you know, that plus minus being, you know, we starting off 6-0. But that goal differential is going to help yeah, us. Yeah, and then it was really awesome just on the other side that Atletico and AS, I mean, and Roma tied. So, I mean, that, that really was the, the ideal scenario for us. That the was best a, possible case yeah, scenario. That was a perfect day for us. Um, but, you know, the other player I just kind of want to touch over because I don't want to spend too much time in this section yeah. is uh, Michi. So, um, <laughs> My favorite player, of course. Yeah. Um, we all know that you're not a very big fan of Michi Batshuayi, but in this match... He was blowing hot and cold at times. Like I noticed, his hold up play was was decent, um, mainly because the Carabag defenders were terrible. Right there, um, the, there you go. But you know, like overall, he did okay. He did a lot better than he normally does. Um, but that's really not enough, I don't think. And now that we missed out on Urente in the last day of the window. I'm just kind of sitting here wondering every time I watch him play now, like, what if we still had Llorente, mm-hmm. someone that would be a lot more, maybe not as clinical, because Michi's goals to shots ratio is actually pretty damn impressive. He's a good goal scorer, but he's just a pure poacher. He doesn't really offer much else. Yeah, and then all the the worst part about all of this is Tammy Abraham actually looking really, really good oh, right Swansea? now. Yeah, he looks he looks awesome. Yeah, so I mean... It's yeah. bo- both good and bad, just because I wish we were able to hold on to him for this yeah. season. But, uh, you know, positive, he, he just looks really, really good. I do think if it carries on this way, I definitely think Michi might be out the door next season. And, you know, we'll make room in our squad for Tammy Abraham. I mean, it just seems like the from a footballing perspective and a logical perspective, like it just makes more sense to have Tammy Abraham. But um, before we move on to the next segment, just a really quick shout out. Uh Chris underscore DK underscore CFC on Twitter. He actually tweeted us back. Um, we were talking a lot of shit about short corners and short set pieces. Last week. And how they are. The bane of your existence. The bane of my existence is one of the words I said. <laughs> yeah. But, but because they honestly are and they never work. But against Carabag, they worked. And Chris was really You got to take that into context though against Carabag. Well, here's the thing. Chris was really quick to point it out, you know, during the Carabag game. Like, hey, I think it's funny that you guys mentioned that. And then we scored two short, you know, short corners. We scored off two short corners. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, Carabag was also garbage. And then he actually tweeted us again during the Arsenal match and said, oh, man, those short corners, they really do suck. Because they su- they just don't work. Like I'm not gonna go on a rant about it again. But no, but it feels quick... really it feels really nice to like have people actually like think about Engaging. us. Yeah. yeah, and like you know actually listening, pay attention to what we're saying and yeah. responding to us. Like that's that's really a great we, feeling. We've had a couple people do it so far, and it's really been awesome. So keep up the good work, guys, and we appreciate that. Yeah, we love um, it. Moving on now, um, Chelsea nil, Arsenal nil. Um, Could have been worse. A really really dull boring lackluster performance see, I this, think, on it's, our part. it's why it's so hard for soccer to catch on in america because it's tough waking up at 5 30 in the morning <laughs> to watch a game go nil nil yeah in la time we had to wake up at 5 30 for this game and i could barely keep my eyes open <laughs> not because i was tired but because i was bored <laughs> Um, it might have been a combination of yeah, both. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, minus those first 15 minutes, it was just such a boring oh, yeah. game. It was so frustrating. But um, yeah. What do you think about that? the starting lineup that 
Conte brought out. Well, you already know what I'm going to say because the only thing I've ever been critical on Conte has been his willingness to keep playing Fabregas with N'Golo Conte in the midfield. When will he learn? When when will it it's become not, apparent to him see, that this doesn't work? Here's the thing, though. Like, it works against the smaller sides because they sit back and they soak up our pressure. They let us have the ball. Arsenal doesn't do that. Arsenal's a possession-based side, first of all. And when they don't have the ball, as much as I hate to say it, they do work hard for it. They have players that are committed. And, you know, that was one of their tactics that we're going to dive into a little later is Welbeck, Lacazette, and Iwobi were just pressuring our three center backs. Mm -hmm. And we couldn't get the ball through the midfield. Um, You know, the ball would go to N'Golo Conte and Cesc Fabregas just couldn't shake Aaron Ramsey or Granit Xhaka, whoever it was. Um, I think he got it wrong. I think Bakayoko was, you know, was the right call. Surprisingly good, very good tactical setup by Wenger. I mean, yeah, he really almost did almost everything right. To he 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 really did his homework and you know saw our strengths and weaknesses and you know played accordingly to that and it it showed. It was very interesting because their tactical setup was very similar to the way Tottenham played against us. Um, the last couple of times we've played them. Actually, ever since they went to that back three. Mm-hmm. So pressing us high up the pitch, utilizing their pace on the wings, and, you know, creating opportunities that way. And it worked. And Aaron Ramsey kind of played that Musa Dembele role where he brings the ball in from deep and, and ran at us with, you know, violent intent, I guess. You know, yeah. he, he was a man on a mission that game. I actually thought he was their man of the match. He looked really, really good. Um, yeah, but fuck him. But fuck him, because he's an <laughs> Arsenal player. Um, so I guess the question is, why does Conte just keep opting to go for a midfield two with Fabregas and Conte, and why not that midfield three? I, 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 I think that we have to move on to a three-five-two, or you know, at least in the big matches. Lines when I mean that when we play Conte and Fabregas together, I think that it, you you have to do that almost every time and put Bakayoko in. But maybe maybe you're right for the smaller matches like you know like against Nottingham Forest no, Nottingham Nottingham Forest yeah Nottingham yeah. Forest this week like that would be okay but uh, for a game like this I don't see I don't even see the reason why you'd want to rest Bakayoko or not even I don't know what the the reason is but I mean for me personally like I wake up and I always check the lineups first thing I wake up about like five or ten minutes before game time mm-hmm. I remember seeing the lineup and just thinking to myself like. Not this again. This is not going to be good. <laughs> not this like, again. This is not going to be good because he did the same thing in the FA Cup and the same thing in the Community Shield, and it right. didn't work. He's not mobile enough to play. Like Conte cannot be, you know, be responsible for two people basically, mm-hmm. and the whole center of the park against a side that has quality that can hurt us. Um, but anyways, I mean, what's done is done. Um, we'll talk about Bakayoko in a bit, but. The next uh, matchup I want to talk about is Murata versus Mustafi. I thought this one was interesting. Yeah. Um, Wenger opted not to go with Kosielmi, um to manmark Murata. Instead, he went with Mustafi, who's a little bit more physical. Um, but it worked for them, I think. I actually, you know, there were times where Murata was getting the best of Mustafi, and then there were other times where Mustafi was bossing Murata. So, um, you know, obviously Murata is way too quick. For him. Yeah, but I think this goes back to what you know we've been talking about for a couple of weeks. 
It's that we just don't, I don't think at this point, at least, I mean, I, I still think that he's going to improve, but he just isn't fully up to like the physicality of the Premier League at this moment. And that's just perfect evidence of it. You know, like, yeah, I, I don't think he's used to it. A lot of he could handle it because he's a big he's a big boy. Sure, like like he could definitely handle it. And in this match, he did do a little bit better. You could tell every week he's kind of growing into the more physical striker that we need him to be. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of times where you know he would have his back to goal, he'd receive the ball, and then he'd just fall over way too easily. And maybe that's a foul in Spain or or Italy, but it's not a foul in the Premier League. Right. And he just needs to he needs to get used to that and. I think he needs a bit more of that um, Eden Hazard mentality where if you're a player that's going to get knocked on his ass four or five times a match, you pop up and you keep working. The thing that was irritating the most, and I caught myself yelling at my TV, is that he would fall and put his hands up and act like he was, you know, stripped of this, you know, I don't know. It, it was just like he threw his hands up like it was just the most unjust decision ever and yeah it's like, and giving up on the play and, yeah you know. yeah yeah and that's the thing i mean it's an effort thing if you fall you get up and you keep working mm-hmm. but when you fall and you complain and you throw your hands up by the end of the game michael oliver wasn't having any of it mm-hmm. and i actually give credit to him i thought he he had a pretty decent performance the ref yeah but you know he knows now now Murata is going to have that re- reputation in the premier league where he's going to be known as a diver and that's the last thing we want because our last striker was a diver and didn't work to our advantage. Yeah, I think for the most part, Murata was kind of a no-show. I mean, not not really a no-show, but he was neutralized. Uh, and yeah. I think that I think that again that goes to I, I have to give credit again to Wenger for that tactical decision to kind of stick Mustafi on him. Well, I mean, out of their back three between Mustafi, Koscielny, and and um, I guess it wasn't that, Montreal. that tough a decision. I mean, <laughs> like it, it wasn't a tough decision, but. Mustafi's class, like he's a very, very good defender. Mm-hmm. He's a very good individual defender as well, and and he's smart. Um, and it showed in that game. Um, I'm not concerned about Murata because I he he he's he's great. Yeah, it wasn't like a, a disconcerting game. It was just kind of like a, you know he was neutralized, and mm-hmm. you know that that I think that was what Arsenal's game plan was. Really not too worried about it. It's only his second London derby, so you know what's done is done again. Um, but I think we should talk a little bit about Wenger's version of his 3-4-3 versus Conte's 3-4-3. I noticed that in this match in particular, we pushed really high up the pitch when we had the ball. um, A little bit higher than we normally do. So Moses and Alonso were basically in the attacking third whenever we had the ball. Um, And usually they, you know, kind of pick and choose their times to push up or stay back. And Mm -hmm. And I noticed Conte was was really stressing to them that they needed to push higher up the pitch. I don't think it hurt us in a sense, but I think it's something that they're working on the training ground, and maybe it just didn't translate to their performance on the field on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was obviously a game of two halves. Like Arsenal dominated the first half, and and we dominated the second. And it's it's funny how you say that because I mean, if you told me that Arsenal dominated the first half. After just watching the first fifteen minutes of that game, I would have told you you're crazy. But yeah. I mean, after that first fifteen minutes, it was it was all really one sided. It was very one sided. I mean, 
just missed missed opportunities. Pedro should have had that goal. Mm-hmm. That was very irritating. But yeah. to be fair, Welbeck should have had one as well. Oh yeah, literally right and Lock, after. And then Lacazette. I mean, yeah. on the rebound, he missed the, the goal wide completely. open. Yeah. Um, but Wenger's tactics. I mean, I listen. I hate the guy more than anyone else listening to this podcast, guaranteed. <laughs> but his game plan was simple: Pr- press high up the pitch, win the ball in you know in the attacking half and go from there and it worked in the first half they dominated the midfield and they won that game from the midfield their whole team seemed cohesive they all seemed committed i gotta give them credit you know the last couple years we've been slacking wanger off as a you know a shitty motivator Mm -hmm. and i still think he is a shitty motivator but for this game the players were up for it and you know Cahill's first game back from a suspension uh, in the Premier League. That's and another. I, th- that, I, th- I think that you know it was it was he was he was susceptible. You know, just I think that Wenger was kind of his game plan was to attack with with speed on that side, and Bellerin had like two or three. He had Alonso really, in his pocket for most of the game, right? Yeah. And you know, and and Cahill couldn't really help him out on our left side. Um, so that was an odd one. Why, why start Cahill as a left-sided center back after Rudiger has been playing so well in his absence, especially in a match like this, where, you know, Bellerin and Arsenal's front three, which is generally mm-hmm. pretty athletic. is going to be running rampant on that side. Like it just doesn't make sense to have a Rudiger is a better ball playing center back and he's more athletic. He's just more suited to a match like this. It's not a knock on Cahill. I love Cahill. He's a legend. He's won everything there is to win at the club. And he's worthy to be our captain. But for Conte to just kind of throw him back in and straight into a London derby, his first game back, because the Carabag match, let's be honest, really wasn't. Yeah. He really didn't get first tested. First Premier League game. Yeah, back. his first high-intensity match, he just throws Cahill back in. and It's kind of – that was a really big injustice to Rudiger. I was actually kind of offended for Rudiger. He's been, he's played his ass off the right. last couple of weeks. He didn't really do anything to not retain his spot in the squad. So hopefully we'll be seeing more of him soon. Um, but yeah, I mean, is this a good point for Arsenal or points lost for us? Well, I mean, if you asked me at the beginning of the game and asked if we tied, would that be points lost? Yeah, of course I'd say that. I thought that we like we were by far. Well, not by far, but we're the better team, and we should walk away with the home, you know, victory. But uh, I was happy to walk away with a point at the end of that game because uh, it was it was definitely a tough matchup for us. But See, but we were able to keep keep the clean sheet. Yeah. So were they, unfortunately. But I I have a little different of perspective. So I think it was a better point for Arsenal. Um, Lately, they've been having a really tough time at the bridge, right? So taking away a point for them isn't half bad. Um, when they go back into their when they went back into their dressing room after the game, they were they're probably generally happy. Yeah, um, I'd say so. I thought they overall on the day they they were a little bit better than us, um, just because you know and I know they weren't pl- they weren't playing for a win or a tie. That's they were not just playing, that's not easy for us to say. They were playing just not to lose. That right. was their main thing was not to lose, and that's exactly what they did. Um, if we started Bakioko from the beginning of the game, there's no doubt in my mind we would have scored, you know, two, three goals on them. 
I think because in the second half we had opportunity after opportunity, especially when Hazard came on. Yeah, he looks fit. Oh yeah, he looks he and looks like he, he didn't skip a beat. And it's funny, like I think that every time he wants he plays against Arsenal, he just wants to like rip their hearts out. Yeah, like he wanted the ball so bad so many times, mm-hmm. and then that one play at the end of the game where he dribbled he the ball inside and, and then you know took that shot that that check i saved. honestly thought it from from the angle that the camera was filming it at i thought it was going into the top corner and yeah. i was just like about to cream myself like it well, was just like i know i i was i literally stood up and started jumping before he even took the shot and then I, I, I i felt it coming my cats like ran away like they're all freaking out because of me but... some as persian cats <laughs> of course but but, but the funny thing is like it was Straight to straight to Peter check. Yeah, like, he didn't even have to move. But Bakioko, I think game it's, changer. It's a hundred percent a fact, and I don't know what will change my no, mind. But fuck whoever doesn't needs, think this is a fact. He needs to start yeah. in every big match. Agreed, hundred percent agreed. I think that's there's really nothing else to say. He's a monster. He's I an mean, absolute monster. I think. I mean, it's there's. I don't think there's a better combination in the world defensively in the midfield on the same team than Bakioko and Angolo Conte. I yeah. mean, it's just, yeah. it's so dirty. They complement themselves so well. And just the two of them to provide so much support, you know, they, they really, it gives a lot more like freedom to the offense and they, they'll be able to push the ball up a lot more, you know? They liberated Fabregas in the second half. He yeah. kind of came alive towards the end of that match. Um, but yeah, I mean, nothing else to really say about Bakioko. He's a game changer and he needs to play in these big, in these big matches. Um, one thing that was kind of concerning was a lack of final product. And it was actually kind of interesting. It was a lack of final product on both sides. So Arsenal had 10 shots in the first half. We only had two. They should have had two goals in that first half. But, I mean, between us Chelsea fans, we should have been down 2-0, maybe 2-1 if Pedro put that goal in. Yeah, but don't tell any Arsenal fans we said that. Okay? Yeah, don't tell any Arsenal fans. But the second half, we actually finished out the game with 13 total shots with Arsenal's Total is 11. So Arsenal they didn't only get a shot, shot on goal until Nacho Monreal had that little half chance, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it was like in the 82nd or 83rd minute. But one thing I found interesting was we lacked that final ball, like that, that, that killer pass. We just didn't have it this match. Maybe because Sesk was shackled for most of the game and Hazard didn't come on till late and his wheels really didn't get turning until, you know, the 80, 80th minute, I'd say, 75th to 80th minute. I thought we were going to get a third. Uh, Aspita Murata connection with the, uh, almost the same exact play yeah. again that they, he just yeah. barely missed they, it. They attempted then, it again, uh, again during the Arsenal match. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, he and Murata bit missed the goal, but that he was right offside. There. He was offsides. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah he was, he was a little bit too, offsides. I mean that that right there is just like if we can get one of those every game. I mean, we that would be almost a goal. We every talk time. about his movement a lot, but like. I started watching him and I'm just following him around the pitch when we get in the final third. His movement's so good. Like it's 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 mouth watering. Um All right, so another big debate. Mm-hmm. David Luiz gets shown a red card. Straight red. Studs up on Kalasinach. That Kalasinach is a big big dude. He's huge huge like mm-hmm. wide he's thick he's stocky i mean when you look at arsenal's transfer business like it's really easy to kind of point out their flaws but this kolasinac was a steal on a free i don't know how anyone else 
that couldn't offer him something more appealing than fifth place mediocrity. <laughs> um, but really quick, straight red, your opinion? I don't know. I mean, it might be because of my bias, but I think it. I mean, it should have been a red. It should have been a double yellow. You know, not straight red. I think that should have been a second yellow. Yeah, huh? I think that because David Luis, it was you know it it started off from Alexi Sanchez pulling him back. Yeah, you know, and there was a continuation, and I really don't think that there was any like you know ill will. And David Luis didn't didn't really slide. He like went for the ball. Yeah, studs up, and I think that if it's you know if that's gonna be the rule. I mean, it is the rule. Studs up anytime. It's just straight. You know that no matter what, it's straight red. Mm-hmm. I think that there could be some exceptions. I think this should have been one because it's it's going to be rough for him. You know, to miss them for three games, especially you know at the end of the game, you're going to give him that. You got to take everything into context when you're going to be you know pulling a straight red because you know that's that's a big punishment. Well, I think the thing that gave it away was first of all, center half is way out of position on a flank. He has no business having the ball there. Yeah, but that's how he plays. But I know. But but I'm just from a referee's point of view. I, I I thought it was a straight red. If I was a referee, I'd give it a straight red also. Um, mainly because, yeah, he might have won the ball. Um, but th- the rule is, if there's excessive force, it has to be considered as a red card offense. And there was. <laughs> I think it's safe to say there was more than excessive force. Yeah, he could have broken He Kusinach's won the ball, leg. and it's a good thing that he hit Kolasinac's leg that wasn't on the ground because if yeah. he hit that plant foot, his leg is snapped and his career is over. I mean, that was a heavy, heavy challenge. Not a lot of complaints from David Luiz after it, and I think that is proof that you know maybe maybe it was a straight red. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, like I said, it's, it's my bias, and it's me kind of being more like, upset that he's gonna have to miss three games for that yeah but i mean you know that's the not nice his first is, time doing that i think the nice thing is that we have a backup for david louise unlike last year where we have we had jt but jt was not suited for that back three but we have christensen now mm-hmm. and this is his time to shine and to be completely honest i am not that worried about having christensen fill in for the stoke match and in particular the man city match I think he could actually do us some good against Man City because, you know, Man City does play very high up the pitch and very up-tempo and, you know, plan on them to press us high. How do you feel about moving Gary Cahill into that that center? No, I, I don't think Cahill is suited to play center um, just because he has no ball-playing ability so, whatsoever. So he doesn't. he's not suitable on the right, he's not suitable in the middle. Where is he suitable? I'm sorry, the left or the middle. He he is suit he is suitable on the left. I think he is, but uh, my my issue was that Conte should have realized that Bellerin is arguably the fastest player in the division, and that he's going to try and expose Alonso because Alonso's not quick. He's fast when he gets the wheels moving, mm-hmm. but he's not. He doesn't have that defender, five right. yard, you know, that quick five yard pace and. Bellerin does, and he shredded Cahill and, mm-hmm. and, and, and Alonso. Look, I love Gary Cahill. I have, I have absolutely nothing against him, but it's just he was not suited for that match, and I don't think he's going to be suited for City either. I think Conte will learn his lesson and opt to go with Rudiger because City has wingers that like to bomb up and down the pitch as well. So um, you're expecting uh, to see a Rudiger, Christensen, Aspie back three sometime soon? 
I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. down for that too. I think Cahill will get another run out in the, in against Nottingham Forest. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll talk. But about I'll, it. but I'll, but I really do want to see those three. Yeah, yeah. Rudiger, I mean, Christensen and typically that that three is really mouthwatering because they're all players who are still relatively young. I mean, Aspie's just starting to hit his prime years, but you know, Christensen's twenty one. I just want to see what it looks like. You know, oh yeah. I mean, you could you could probably say that that might be Chelsea's future back three, mm-hmm. and maybe Zuma. I mean, he's been playing awesome for oh, yeah. Stoke, but um. Final thoughts on the match, just really quick, so we could wrap this segment up. Um, I think the first half was there, second half was ours. Again, it's one point one for Arsenal and two points lost for us. What about you? What, what uh, you I'm just really excited uh, to see how our team, like how different our team's going to be when Eden Hazard is going to become like you know starting matches and playing the full ninety. Yeah, uh, you know because the game really changes when he's in, and uh, we almost forget. I'm not. I don't want to say I forget how good he was because we know he's on his day. He's, you know, a top five player in the world. But, you know, like William and and Pedro have been doing a good job deputizing, and a part of me was very confident with William and Pedro, right? Mm-hmm. But when Hazard comes onto the field, you're just like, oh my god. Yeah, and I also think that I also my another point, final point. I think that Pedro and William both were hurt, and they were playing hurt. I don't know. I mean, it just looked like they weren't. Well, Pedro completely fit. Pedro Pedro got a hard yeah had a hard challenge and that kind of shook him up. But from the off, William just didn't look up for it. For some reason, when he starts matches, he he tends to not disappear, but he doesn't really stand out as much. I think William's more suited as an impact player. Yeah, I mean he had two really nice uh, attempts right at the end, yeah. very close. But I don't know. I just felt like that something was off about the two. That maybe they were. Sore, hurt, something. I don't yeah. know. But I think that they'll be fine, though. So, uh, on Wednesday, we welcome Nottingham Forest to the bridge. Um, a team that has more Champions League titles than Arsenal. Um, and they're not even in the Premier League. Interesting fact. But um, <laughs> Nottingham Forest, not a very, very good start to their season. So, 10th in the championship. Four wins and four draws. Um, they conceded the fourth most goals out of the 24 championship sides. Um, 13 goals against with only 11 goals scored. So this team doesn't really produce much offensively. Um, defensively, they're susceptible to conceding. Um, there's not really much else to say about this game besides, you know, the fact that we all want to see the likes of Musanda. Um, you know, a lot of the younger guys get a run out. Christensen, Rudiger. Um, I really wish Danny Drinkwater was healthy for this match because this would be a really, really good match to get used to that 3-4-3 or 3-5-2 formation. Um, Batshuayi will probably get the start as well up top, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm going 4-0. Uh, Chelsea, you agree? Yeah, and also I wanted to point... I mean, I think 4-0, that's, that's probably... But I think I, I wanted to point out something else. You 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 mentioned how Nottingham Forest has more Champions League titles than mm-hmm. uh, Arsenal. I just wanted to reemphasize another point because we can say it again. But uh, yet again, since 2010, New England Patriots have won more games at Wembley than Tottenham. Tottenham did beat Dortmund at midweek. So is that what? No, no, it doesn't count though. It wasn't it wasn't Premier League? Oh, you're talking Premier League. 
Yeah. The New England Patriots have won more Premier League matches. (laughs) You heard it here first. Yeah. But yeah, you get the point. Uh, Damn. Fuck fuck Tottenham. But um, yeah, next match, Chelsea away at Stoke. So a stadium that Chelsea fans, me in particular, um, I get kind of nervous going to the Bet365. Stoke always has a really great atmosphere. They have very passionate fans. They're a very loud stadium. Um, but they're also a very physical side, which mm-hmm. is kind of worrying going into the midweek match that we're going to have the following week against Atletico, who's another very physical side. Yeah. Um, so Stoke is currently sitting in 13th. Um, five points. Not very good to start out the season. Negative one goal differential. Their main bright spot this season so far has been uh has our, been Hesse and, and our very own Kurt Zuma. Yeah, but, that, which is our also our bright spot as well, technically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he played really well there. He's kind of reminding he's reminding everybody why Mourinho chose him over Cahill towards the end of his tenure. Mm-hmm. Um I love Kurt Zuma, man. I really I really hope Conte could find a way to to weave him into this back three. Um, as Cahill gets older and Dava Luis get a little bit older, but he's gonna be natural fit. Yeah, he he's not he's not the most natural fit though. That's the thing. Like he doesn't have very good ball playing ability, but I think he could be a really good fourth choice center back. You know, like our you know first option off the bench next year maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but who knows? So, anyways, Kurt Zuma's not gonna be able to play because he's our player and he can't play against his parent club. Um, so probably Bruno Martinsindi and Ryan Shawcross. Shawcross, who had a terrible season last year. He's a terrible footballer in general. <laughs> he just likes to kick the hell out of people and break people's legs. But Chelsea has has lost three of their last five away games at Stoke. So some, not a team where we should take them lightly by any means, especially considering that they just drew 2-2 with Man United a couple weeks ago. Right. Which is really, really surprising. Yeah, a very good Man United's United, uh, won almost every game 4-0. The only two goals Man U's conceded all season have been from Stoke. Yeah. Um, they have a couple interesting players. I don't think anyone that could really cause us trouble besides Hesse. Um, Hesse mainly because he's very creative and he has a lot of pace. Mm-hmm. But Stoke is essentially a, a team full of players who are very, very talented but very, very inconsistent. Right. So, like, on their day, they they could be mouth-watering. But at the same time, they could be really, really dull. I I know Men and Blazers coined the term Sexy Stoke a couple years ago. I don't think Sexy Sexy Stoke is back. <laughs> but they have players that could punish us. Um. So what do you think their tactics are going to be going into this game? <laughs> I think you, I, and everyone else already know what their tactics are going to be. Uh, you know, we saw it last year. Last when we played them, they had eight eight men with yellow cards. Yeah, they're just gonna kick the shit out of us. Uh, I mean, like the, you you coined it here, tactical fouling. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- that's exactly what's gonna happen. Mark Hughes. I mean, last year he just put different players on Hazard. And told them, all right, just, just kick take turns him. kicking the hell out of them. <laughs> yeah, we'll switch you off of them, and then uh, someone else. And then we'll, yeah, then we'll sub you out, and you know. I mean, that's that's the thing, but it's a leg- I know Chelsea fans mainly. This is their bias talking, but they say that's a crap tactic to have. But let's be honest: in the Premier League, it works. Yeah, and then, I mean, they're they're 
ceiling for this game. I mean, I don't think they're going to walk in. I mean, they're not going to walk in. Expecting all three points. Exactly. Yeah. They, 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 they think best case lose. scenario is going to be a draw. So, you know, they're going to definitely sit back. Uh, they're going to try to counter with their pace. Um, you know, it's it's going to be not a, a, a pretty game to watch. Definitely not. No, but, I don't uh, think so. But it's going to be very ag- physical, very aggressive. And mm-hmm. um, like you said, just Hesse is going to be very important with his pace and for them. Yeah. Whether they can, you know, get us on the counter. But, uh, yeah, bottom line is they need points and they'll be happy with a draw. So, I mean, yeah. they're going to they're gonna be sitting back with two banks of four probably. In in a in a way, this Arsenal game, this Arsenal result is might be a good thing. So obviously, I'm looking on the bright side, and the glass is basically half full right now. But you know, maybe drawing against Arsenal will kind of light another fire under our bellies, similar to the way it did last year when we lost three 0 at at the Emirates. Right, hundred uh, percent. Um, but you know, we got Stoke coming up, a very tough match. We're definitely going to be up for this match, especially after last week's result. And we have Man City right after. So if we can knock off Stoke, um, put them away early, get a chance to rest some of our players for the Champions League match against Atletico, maybe pick up a point, hopefully. That'll be very, very tough to pick up a point at Atletico. But, you know, maybe get two decent results in these next two games, and then we'll have some momentum going into Man City, which is the match that we really need to be worried about because... My God, City smashed a really good Watford side, six yeah. nil. Like just destroyed that team. I, I haven't seen a Premier League team put on a clinic against another Premier League team in a really long time like that. So something to look out for. But going into this match against Stoke, I mean, we we need to talk about our tactics. So we got to score early because Stoke is definitely a team that increases their confidence as the game goes on and they grow into matches, Mm -hmm. and they will create chances because they're, like I said, they have players that can hurt us on the counterattack. It's like you said, they'll go with two banks of four. So hopefully Murata could get isolated if we utilize our width with our wing backs. Hopefully that could maybe draw one of their full backs out, have their center back slide over, and then maybe get Murata in a 1v1 situation in the air. I think I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we pulled off a Zapacosta... I mean, with Zapacosta and Marcos Alonso out there together. Yeah. Because we're going to have to stretch it real wide. That's a that's like that? that's an stretch interesting idea. Wide. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't do that, actually, though. I think... Why not? I think because, one, Victor Moses is homegrown, so he understands going to Stoke, that cliche of going to Stoke on a rainy night, <laughs> for one. And two, I would want to save Zapacosta for the UEFA Champions League mainly because he has experience playing in big tournaments. Like he was in the Euro squad for Italy. Okay. And, you know, I just think having that European heritage is going to maybe be an advantage for him, especially against an Atletico team where the width is really going to be necessary because that Atletico team plays so narrow and they're so compact. But back to Stoke, we keep talking about Atletico. That's... It's on the back of my mind. Yeah, it's just like seeing Simeone and Conte on the same sideline is just going to be hilarious. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, like I said, we got to get width against Stoke. We got to score early. Um, Murata is going to be huge for us. 
But here's the thing. I mean, if he got bullied by Mustafi, what do you think Shawcross and Bruno Martin Zindi are going to do to him? You know, th- those are Shawcross might be one of the more one of the if not one of the most physical center backs. Yeah, in he's the tough. Um and we know Mark Hughes is going to look at that Arsenal game tape and say, "Hey, that works. Let's rough up l- let's rough up Maratha this match." Um but going into this match, what do you think? I think uh, you said almost everything that I thought um, before this match. Uh, it it could, you know, what what, what we already talked about, what they're going to be trying to do, uh, making it very compact and try to score off the, the counter. You know, it's possible that we're going to be, you know, left open for that kind of stuff. Yeah. But um, I predict that if, if, if Hazard starts and he plays a full 90 – um, we're probably going to win. I think, I think two nil would not be, I think that we keep a clean sheet no matter what. And, uh, we either going to win two, three nil or, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I say two nil Chelsea mainly because Stoke has been abysmal in the attacking sense this year. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have enough to, to put one past us. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if they put one past us, but I just think that we could put more than one goal behind them, especially without Zuma in the lineup. Shawcross hasn't played much this season. Um, I think Bakioko is going to start in the midfield with Fabregas playing a little bit ahead of him. I think Conte is going to go for the jugular against Stoke really early on. Um, yeah, we need to pick up three points for sure this week. Yeah, we do. After not picking it up last week, we definitely do. But at the same time, I could actually see Conte maybe going with a three-four-three and just making the pitch as wide as possible. Yeah, I mean, because right now we're really losing ground uh, against Man United and Man City. Yeah, they they refuse to drop points so against the, against the smaller teams. If if you know if if we aren't going to be able to take three points away from Stoke, you know this is it, the the Premier League is it doesn't it's not like any other league where you can just heat up at the end and you can win the title like you got to be consistent throughout the season you know and that that was a big thing with our with our campaign last season we, we won the title because we took care of the smaller sides uh-huh and we only dropped some points against the big boys which is fine because at the time the big boys were dropping points to some of the smaller teams but this is a game that we got to go out and we we got to put them away early with the champions league in the back of our mind you know, resting players is going to be huge. So I say 2-0 Chelsea. Hazard gets his first of the season. I think Pedro gets a late goal as when he comes on as a sub. <laughs> um, but yeah, that pretty much finishes our podcast for this week. Um, really quick, uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter. Um, we've had a couple people already engage with us, and it's been awesome. Um, please tweet at us. Ask us questions um respond to our tweets let us know what you guys think um our twitter is at romans empire pod you can also email us as well uh romans empire pod at gmail.com or search for us on itunes um romans empire um a chelsea fc podcast so look out for us and uh any last words so i'm so happy that in hazard is is back <laughs> i'm so excited he, he still yeah. hasn't scored yet but is that your man crush? Yeah, neither yeah. is Alexi Sanchez. You know, he still hasn't scored. No, uh, no he hasn't either. But... So, uh, you know, it's not it's not looking too bad. Not, I don't feel too bad about that now. No, he looks really good. But do you want to really? say do you want to say the magic words before we sign off? 
No, you know what? You, you should do it. I think you do a lot better than I do. I, I'm terrible at it. I'm terrible at these intros and conclusions. But anyways, um, this is the end of our pod, guys. So uh, until next week, keep the blue flag flying high. You're right. You're not very good at that. No. <laughs> terrible.